Well, good morning. I'm happy to be here. I know you are too. Uh, I really like this time of year anyway. It's my favorite time. You know, the weather starts changing a little bit. It's my birthday, things like that. Little things. You know, one day you look forward to every year, but now I'm really kind of dreading it next year, (laughs) you know. But, you know, the leaves start changing. Um, Things start happening. It's the season, right? Football season, things like that. And uh, pumpkin spice flavoring, pumpkin spice latte, right? That's good. And, And I'm real excited today because we're beginning a new series in Jonah called God's Greater Plan. It's the Old Testament book of Jonah. And, uh, you know, I like books from the Old Testament. I really do. And uh, it, it just, it inspires me so much. I remember as a kid, this book, this book here, Jonah, is the one that really captivated me. It really opened my imagination to the remarkable power of God. And I, from that time, I really started to become interested in God's Word. And, and this brings me to this question. If this story captivated me, is this just a story? If this story triggered my imagination, is is this a fable? Let me just share with you my conviction. I believe it's true. Um, I I believe this is a real story that really happened. And and let let me just give you two reasons. First of all, Jonah is a historical figure. He was a real person. And actually, he was mentioned in other places in the Bible. He's, he was mentioned in 2 Kings. He was a real prophet to Israel. And uh, his name is mentioned in other places outside of the Bible. And so the, all this took place around 7th century B.C. So he is an historical figure, not somebody that's made up. Second reason is Jesus mentioned Jonah on several occasions in his teachings. And I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me. Uh, when, when our Lord and Savior mentions something and refers back to something that happened, uh, that is good enough for me. I remember seeing uh, a story of a little girl in elementary school, and they were learning about whales and things like this. And the little girl started talking about Jonah, um, and her teacher said, well, that's not true. All right, that, that just physically, biologically, it, it cannot happen. So they went back and forth. Uh, with this issue, and the girl was just taking a stand for her faith. She said, yes, I believe it's true, and the teacher kept saying, no, it's, it can't be. Scientifically, it can't happen. And so the little girl said, well, I'll just ask Jonah when I get to heaven. <laughs> and, and, and the teacher said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? What if he went, you know, there? And she said, well, you can ask him. I like that. <laughs> now, look, um, that, is, that is my conviction. That is my conviction. I don't know what yours is. Uh, but don't, here's my challenge. Don't get caught up in the whale. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up as, could this happen or not? You know, you're missing, you're missing the point of Jonah. And this four-week series is going to teach us the point of Jonah. This story is much more than just about a big fish. Uh, In so many ways, this this short book, only four chapters, this short book taught me about faith. And this really is the point of Scripture. You know, and that's why we do things with our children's ministry. That's why we do things in Awana. 
God's word on its own will supernaturally and spiritually captivate the heart of a child. And it should captivate our hearts as well. But the point of scripture is to captivate us, to, to teach us about God, to teach us about his plan for the world and to help us grow in our faith. And so the whole purpose of this series is to not only see the greatness of God, to not only use our imaginations to look and to see how big God is, but to also realize that God has a big plan. And we need to see that as well. So I'm excited about this series. I hope that it encourages you, and I know it'll challenge you. Uh, it's challenged me so far in my preparation for it. So Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 16 is where we'll be today. Turn in your Bibles. Okay, if you're having trouble finding it, it's in between Obadiah and Micah. Okay, if that don't help you, just turn somewhere to where all the names start to sound like Star Wars characters, okay? You got a Obadiah, Obi-Wan, Jonah, Yoda, Nahum, and Chewbacca. You find those names, you're in the right place, okay? Just, I'm just kidding, just kidding. All right, listen, here's the deal. If you haven't found it by now, the words will be on the screen, and we'll just go through it together. All right. Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And that is how you say it. That's not my hillbilly slang. That is how you pronounce it. I actually looked it up. Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So we see here immediately the word of the Lord, and we can just read past that and think, you know, God's just waving, saying hi, but it's a lot more than that. Uh, This is a greeting with an instruction behind it. Uh, That's the whole intent of God reaching down and saying something to anybody, Uh, not just to say, hello, I'm here, by the way. No, it's hi, I've got something for you to do, something very important. And this, he did this, God did this with almost every Old Testament prophet. Almost every Old Testament book that is prophetic opens this way. And the instructions from God came to Jonah. And what were the instructions? Well, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Uh, the Lord says the great city of Nineveh. And Nineveh is a large, was a large city in Assyria. And let me just tell you. It's a very, very wicked place, a wicked uh, nation with wicked people. And they were known for their wickedness. When, when they conquered cities, they would skin alive people, skin people alive. It didn't matter who you were, men, women, children. And what they would do is they would hang the skins on the outside of the city walls as, as decorations. Trophies. When they would go into other nations and they would conquer the nations, they would, they would kill the ki- kings and soldiers and they would, they would cut their heads off. What they would do with the bodies is they would impale the bodies and line them up on the streets going into the city. Then they would take the heads and they would stack them up in the shape of a pyramid on the outside of the walls. Wicked, wicked people. Wicked nation filled with wicked people. And this is where the Lord tells Jonah to go. Right? How would you feel? A little intimidated? A little scared? The Lord tells Jonah to go and to do what? To preach against it. 
And I just think if you're Jonah, why preach against it, Lord? Why would you just not dis- destroy it? What is God up to in this? We can see just from the opening that God is up to something greater. God is doing something differently than what we would do. He has something different in mind here. In verse 3 it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish and to flee from the Lord. So look, God was up to something. That's pretty clear. We don't know exactly what yet. But Jonah was up to something too. He wanted nothing to do with God's plan. He, he ran away, so he went down to, to Joppa, which is just a port city outside of Israel. And he, he was bound for Tarshish, which is about as far away that you could get from where God told him to go. As far as we know, uh, Tarshish is somewhere in Spain. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and Jonah did the opposite, the exact opposite of what God told him to do. He was called to go east. Jonah went west. He was called to go over land to Nineveh. Jonah went by sea to Tarshish. He, he tried to flee from the Lord, but look, Jonah would click, quickly find out that he couldn't outrun God. And he couldn't mess with God's greater plan. So Jonah is on this ship, and he's sailing away from Israel, from Nineveh, from where the Lord instructed him to go to try to flee from the Lord. And then, verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So Jonah thought that he could escape God. But he was wrong. Uh, The Lord sent a, a violent storm. You know, God is so great. God is so powerful that he not only controls the storms, but he controls all of nature. All of nature. Jonah quickly finds that out. So it says the sailors were afraid. And this must have been a really bad storm because, look, these were professional sailors. This is what they did for a living. These guys were professionals. Storms would have been the norm to them. They would have been prepared. They would have been ready. It would have been no big thing. But this one, this one terrified them. But notice what they did. Each cried out to their own God. So we see something strange indeed from this already. You see, you may have thought that the point of the story of Jonah was Jonah and and trying to get him to do what God wants and trying to get him to turn to God. But that's that's just part of it. That's just part of the story. Here we see something remarkable. We begin to see the faith, or at least the beginning of faith, in non Jewish people. At least they begin to understand that they need to look elsewhere for help. They need to look elsewhere for salvation. With these guys, there's a small sign of the beginning of of real faith. But what about Jonah in this? It says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? 
get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Even in the storm, Jonah was still trying to hide from God. He, He boarded the ship to sail away, and then when he was on the ship, that wasn't far enough. So he went down below deck. He went to the lowest part. All of the other men, they had prayed to their God, and it was only Jonah that was left. So so the captain went to find him to see what was going on. I mean, there was this great big storm. They were taking cargo and throwing it over, and we just read past that. But what they were doing was very important. You see, they they would be held accountable for that cargo. That tells you how bad this storm was. Their lives were in danger. What was Jonah doing? Sleeping. You know, I, I believe he wasn't tired. That's my belief. I just believe he had given up. He, he had completely given up, and he didn't care about life any longer. He didn't want to go on, he, and he showed no signs of caring what happened at all. Even at the plea of the captain to call out to God on their behalf, he refused to pray. He remained silent. Verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, casting lots, this is the way they did things back then. You know, paper, rock, scissors. Jonah didn't learn about the dynamite or the drop kick. You know. But Jonah lost. Is that a coincidence? Was that fate or was that God? You know. But here's something else that surprises us about the sailors and not Jonah. Okay. The sailors acted honorably and mercifully towards Jonah and how they treated him. Look, they could have just looked at each other and said, man, this guy, he's the odd person on the boat. We've been sailing together for a long time. This guy doesn't look like us. He doesn't act like us. He's down in in the bottom of the ship sleeping. He smells funny. He looks weird. Let's just pick him up and throw him off. Let's, Let's cast him over and be done with it. They didn't do that. They cast lots, which meant that it could have been any one of them that the lot could have fell on, you see. But it fell to Jonah. Verse 8. So they asked him, tell us who was responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So the lot fell on Jonah. Since that happened, they immediately wanted to know more about him. They start asking him all these questions. In the midst of this terrible storm, these guys are showing great restraint. I hope you see that. I hope you see that. They're they're just talking to him. They're trying to find out more about him. He he answered, verse 9. This is very important, his answer. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I want you to notice how Jonah answered their question. Jonah answers their last question first. From what people are you was their last question. This is very important. It shows us that Jonah had something going on in his heart. It's called pride. He was a proud Hebrew. He mentioned 
that before he mentioned God. And we start to see maybe some of the reasons that Jonah was not obedient to God. That he didn't want to go to others. Because his identity was wrapped up in who he was in his nationality. He was a Hebrew. He mentions God last. Verse 10. Because he mentioned that he worshipped the Lord, the God of heaven, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The, The sailors just couldn't believe that he would run from God. They couldn't believe that. Especially one that created the land and the sea. Where would you run from a God like that? You think coming aboard this ship you can escape somebody that created the sea? Right? They just can't believe that he would, he would do that. That he would try to do that. Verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah responds in verse 12, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So Jonah is processing some things here, and he realized that it was his fault that the others were in danger. At first, he didn't care, right? We saw that. He was sleeping. He was hiding. He, he didn't care. But now he is given into the fact that he is to blame for what's going on. And so he knows that if he's no longer in the boat, the sailor's lives will be spared. And you know what? I read through that a couple of times, and it almost sounds commendable. It almost sounds like Jonah is doing the honorable thing. But I don't think Jonah had a sudden change of heart for these guys. I think it's more along the lines of him just giving up completely. He, he tried to run from God. But he couldn't. And now he's totally ready to give up and he's ready to accept his fate. So he gave himself over to the crew so they could dispose of him. But again, I want you you to pay attention to these sailors. Notice how they responded, verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. We continue to see how these sailors who were not God's people, we we see how they treated Jonah honorably. With respect and with value, they, they knew the solution to their problem, and it would be to toss Jonah to his death. But they did their best to avoid doing that. They tried everything else, but it didn't get better. It didn't get better. The storm got worse and worse. And then notice something. They did something remarkable. They cried out to the Lord. Something Jonah should have done from the very beginning. They didn't didn't cry out to their own gods like before. They cried out to the God this time. They cried out to the Lord as in almost asking forgiveness for something they hadn't even done yet. You see that? They, you see, they recognized two very important things that Jonah failed to recognize. They recognized the value of life other than yourself. They recognized the value of human life. 
And then they also recognized this, the sovereignty of God. And they tried their best to, to honor both, you see. They tried everything that they could do to avoid taking human life, but in the end, they submitted to the sovereign will of God. Verse 15, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So as soon as they threw Jonah over, the sea calmed. As soon as he hit the water, the storm stopped. And look, even at the calming of the sea, these guys could have just said, well, that was good, that was nice. What did they continue doing? Worshiping God. It says, the, fa- the sailors feared the Lord. Because of what took place, the so- sudden start to the storm and the sudden ending of the storm, because of all that, they knew this was the action of the one true God. So they feared him. They were in awe of him. They had the highest respect for him. So what they did was they offered sacrifice to him and they made vows, which means this. Uh, if you make vows like that in the Old Testament, you're converting. They were converting to the faith in the one true God. They were tossing aside their false gods and committing to the one true God. What a remarkable and fascinating beginning of this story. Now, at the end of this, we find the sailors safe, don't we? And we find Jonah in the water. I think this is a good place for us to stop and evaluate and apply what we've learned so far. So before we leave, two things I want to share with you. First is God wants to use us to accomplish his plan. God wants to use us to accomplish his plan. Look, I know we look at Jonah and we say, well, that's Jonah. Or we look at any person in the Bible, any great figure in the Bible, and we say, oh, that's that person. And we don't draw any comparisons to us. The Lord really doesn't want to use me to do great things. The Lord really doesn't want to use me just like that. Well, i got news for you. The Lord does want to use you just like that. He does. He, he singled Jonah out for a purpose. And look, God has a purpose for each and every person too. God has a plan and a purpose for all who have faith. But the question is, do we submit to him? And allow him to use us. The question isn't, does God want to use me? That's an obvious yes. That's an obvious answer. That's not the question. The question is, will I allow God to use me? Here's a challenge. We must be a willing vessel for God to use. We must be a willing vessel for God to use. You see, we have... Really, this goes back to the sermon we did a couple of weeks ago about choices. We really only have two. Two. We can choose to obey or we can choose to run. We can choose to say, yes, God, God, here I am. Use me to how you see fit. Or we can try to hide. You know, maybe you've done, maybe you've done that in the past. Maybe now you're... you're trying to hide from God and what he wants to do in your life and do through you. Maybe you're there now. I know my life 
there was a time when what I wanted for my life was different than what God wanted for me, you see. And I did my best to hide by doing my own things. I tried to ignore God, you know, and uh, made some poor choices. That didn't work out very well for me. I tried to run from God. I tried to hide from God. And you know what God did? He sent some storms into my life to get my attention. Uh, there's this guy named Tim Keller, smart guy. Yeah, he writes, every act of, of disobedience has a storm with it. That's so true. Now look, every difficulty we face is not a result of sin, as we learned from going through James. But every sin will lead to difficulty. Every one. And listen, many times the consequences of our disobedience affects others too. Not just us. Jonah's disobedience endangered the lives of the sailors. So we need to keep that in mind. When we do the opposite of what God wants, not only is it bad for us, but it could be detrimental to others too. You know, some storms can't be avoided because of the sin in the world. We know that. But many storms can be avoided if we say yes to God and allow Him to use us. You know that. So let's be willing vessels for God to use because, look, God's greater plan involves us. It involves you. But here's the second thing I want to share with you before we leave. God's plan is much greater than us. God's plan is much greater than us. Now this is the main truth that all of us need to understand. God's plan involves us. God wants to use us. But God's plan involves more than us. God wants to use us to do something greater than us. Now, I want you to look at this scripture in Acts 1.8. Look at this with me. This is Jesus speaking before he ascends into heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what that is? That is the word of the Lord. It's not just, hi, hello. That is the word of the Lord with instruction. And this is similar to the Great Commission found in Matthew. And the point in those is we're to go. We're to go. In other words, we as Christians are supposed to radiate God in this world. We are to represent God, show God to others, and not just keep God all to ourselves. From the very beginning, God instructed Jonah to go to others, didn't he? He was a prophet to Israel. He was familiar with that. He was comfortable prophesying to his own people. He was good with that. That's what, that's what Jonah was concerned with, and that's what his identity was wrapped up in, being a Hebrew, prophesying to his own people. And this is the first time that God called a prophet to take a message to someplace other than Israel. And Jonah wanted nothing to do with it. Jonah was fine with God being his God and, and the God of, God of his people, and that's it. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to show his God to others that were not like him. But you know what? It's funny. What ended up happening at the beginning of the story was that very thing. You see, the sailors who were not like Jonah who were non-Jewish, 
who didn't know God before Jonah came to know God after this. So what Jonah was trying to avoid actually took place because God's got a greater plan and nothing can stop it. Here's the amazing truth. Others are waiting for us to show God to them. They're out there waiting. Others are capable of showing great faith. In this first chapter of Jonah, the picture of faith is not in Jonah, but it's who? The sailors. It's in the sailors who displayed faith-like qualities that Jonah was supposed to, but never did. How tragic. You know, God wants us to go to others, to tell others about him, and to be a resource for helping others come to him. You know, God isn't just a God of you and me. He's a God of the world. So here's our challenge for this one. We must be willing to show God to others no matter who and no matter where. No matter who and no matter where. God is a God of all people. And listen, I'm getting ready to finish. We, you and me, should understand that more than anyone. You see, God sent his own son, Jesus, to die for this world. Now, we cannot and we must not place a limit on that truth. Don't place a limit on your life either. Don't place a limit on your faith. Don't place a limit on your obedience to God. Don't box your, yourself in. Be open to doing what God wants you to do. Be open to going where God wants you to go. You know, as we close, Jonah is a picture of Jesus in so many ways, as we'll find out and we'll unpack over this short series. But you know, unlike Jonah, Jesus was obedient to the Father. You see, Jesus obediently followed the Father's direction. And he went to those who were not like him. He went to those who were his enemy. And because Jesus did that, look, 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 we, we are saved from the storm. Jesus came not only to his own people, but to all people. May we be willing to be used by God, and may we be willing to share the love of Christ without boundaries, because Christ's love knows no boundaries. Now, as we begin to look at this magnificent story in Jonah, we can really see and we can begin to appreciate the greatness of God and how great God's plan is for this world. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to a, a closing of this service, we just worship you. We praise you. God, if we've made you small, We've tried to box you in. Father, forgive us. Help us to see you as so much bigger than we are. Help us to see your love and your plans for this world as so much greater than we are. Father, help us to live our lives in a way that would honor you, that we would do what you want us to do, that we would have that type of relationship with you, that we submit to your plans for our lives, and we say no to our own selves, and we say, here I am, God, send me, use me. May we be willing vessels. 
Father, may we have a desire to show your love and your grace to others because you did that through your son, Jesus Christ. And if we call ourselves Christians, if we are followers of Jesus, then we are to do the same. God, help us. Help us to live lives that would honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.